0: not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: We are talking with Christina Sandifer, the Executive Vice President of the Goldwater Institute. Christina is the co-author of a new book, The Cornerstone of Liberty, Private Property Rights in 21st Century America. That's a must read. And we are discussing private property rights. Uh, There's—it It is so important. Private property rights are the basis of our freedom. Uh, and that's why we're spending this time talking about it. You mentioned legal fiction. To me, legal fiction is pretty much the same as fake news. Uh, Obviously, when you have a group that can sort of make up the rules as they go along and have those rules apply, I mean, that's a very dangerous concept, especially when it comes to the law. If you and I did that privately, uh, that would be between you and me. The problem is when it happens in a court of law or when it happens in part of the legal system, those opinions and decisions based on legal fiction – we all are subject to the results like we are in the Murr versus Wisconsin case because now there's a Supreme Court decision that is violently anti-property rights and we all now are going to have to Deal with it, and the second thing, of course, is this concept of the public good—that's right out of Karl Marx's playbook. That's that's collectivism, and this country is not based upon collectivism. It's based upon individual rights and individual responsibility. So, uh, that's the risk of legal fiction: is that we then end up all of us being subject to the rules set down by a group of people in Washington D.C. who really. As I said in the beginning, uh, they're not a a legal body. They're actually a political body now because you can't get on the Supreme Court or any court anywhere in the federal court without having whatever agenda is currently in power in the Senate on your side.
2: And if something is a fundamental right, it is by definition – not subject to the whims of a bureaucrat or the general public, right? That's why it's a fundamental right. If it's a fundamental right, it's a right that I as an individual hold, regardless of whatever the bureaucrat in Washington, D.C. thinks, or regardless of even whether what the majority of the people think, right? That's why our founding fathers cared so much about creating a constitution. A constitution is a very basic set of rules and principles. And it says that the government cannot violate these rights. These are rights that are owned by the individual and government can't take them away. And that means also that society as a whole, that a majority of individuals can't vote to take our rights away. If our rights were subject to majority whim, then of course, the majority would just vote to take away all the rights of the minority. And that's exactly what's happening in cases like the Murr case, and i also think that you know this this sets a terrible precedent because the compensation factor in regulatory takings cases is really important because it requires government to think about the costs of the regulations right costs of regulations are always borne by somebody the reason that the court ruled the way it did in murr is because the, the there have been a series of supreme court cases where justices have said well, well, look, you know, we can't really interpret the Constitution as it's written because otherwise government could never pay for all of the regulations, for all the regulatory takings, right? Government regulates all the time. The bureaucracy has gotten so big and that would just make it too expensive to regulate, which is exactly what our founding fathers intended. Officials complain that, you know, having to pay to regulate makes it too expensive, but regulation always comes as a cost to someone. So if the regulation isn't worth the cost to the government or the community, really, because government is funded by taxpayers, then it shouldn't be shouldered by the property owner alone. And that's really what's at issue here. If lawmakers are going to regulate, they need to weigh the costs and benefits of that regulation. What are the burdens that we're placing on a property owner? When the MERS bought their property in Wisconsin, back in the uh, originally in the 60s when the family bought it, you know, they had the rights to do what they wanted with that property. And if government's going to make rules that all of a sudden says you can't sell the property, you can't improve the property, they're going to change the rules in the middle of the game and take away somebody's property rights, they need to think about the costs that they're imposing. And if the costs are not worth uh, the you know the price tag of taking away that property value, well, the mayor shouldn't have to shoulder that cost. The government should have to pay it, and if it's not worth it, then the government shouldn't regulate. That cost-benefit analysis is entirely removed from the bureaucratic mindset, and that is why bureaucrats rule with a sledgehammer instead of a scalpel. They don't think about what they're trying to achieve and whether or not it actually has some health and safety justification. They just regulate however they feel they need to in order to shape the public, the public good, the public into whatever that particular bureaucrat wants. And that is extremely dangerous.
1: We're speaking with Christina Sandifer, the executive vice president at the Goldwater Institute and the co-author of a new book, Cornerstone of Liberty, Private Property Rights in 21st Century America. You know, you mentioned uh, a bit ago, and I want to just amplify that, and that is that we are not a democracy. Every time I hear someone speaking on on the radio or the television and saying we need to protect our democracy we don't have a democracy to protect a democracy is mob rule and as you said 51 percent can always vote to take everything away from 49 percent uh and and that is exactly what our founders wanted to avoid which is why we are a constitutional republic and not a democracy Uh, when it comes to regulations and the regulators The problem with bureaucrats is they are not elected. They are appointed. We have, as citizens, we have virtually no resource when it comes to doing anything about these regulations. The the cards are stacked against us because we have to deal with a different kind of law. Do we not? And you can correct me if I'm wrong. We have to deal with administrative law. And administrative law is not necessarily the same as that, uh, you're guaranteed a jury trial type of thing. You're dealing with bureaucrats. They have their own set of rules, their own laws, and you have to do things sometimes totally opposite to what the regular legal system would prescribe.
2: You're absolutely right about that. The The administrative system is so large these days that it affects every single aspect of our lives. and And as you said, when you're wronged by a bureaucrat or an administrator, when, when the bureaucracy denies you you know the, the right to earn an honest living, to put food on your family's table, to to use your property as you see fit, and you go to try to challenge that, you're subject to all sorts of other rules. We talked a little bit before about how things like private property rights or economic liberty are second-class rights and not protected by the courts. But as you mentioned, a lot of times under administrative law, you don't even get to go to court before you have to first go before this administrative agency where you have an administrative judge. You don't have the same types of due process guarantees that you have in a court. You don't have rules of evidence. The government can come in there and say whatever it wants, whether it's, it can prove it or not. That all becomes part of the record. You don't aren't always enti- entitled to an attorney. And then, you, when by the time you get that decision, which is, is oftentimes by a judge that is accountable to the agency or hired by the agency itself, you get that decision. It comes out against you. When you try to appeal that into the normal judicial system, the normal court system, those judges, again, are bound by law to defer to whatever that administrative agency decided. And, and, and so the deck is totally stacked against the individual. And it's even worse than that because the bureaucrats who make these decisions, not only are they not accountable to the people or to the judicial system, but in fact, the incentive is entirely the opposite. They are incentivized to do a bad job. Because in, if you think about it, in the normal market system, when a business does a bad job, when a business provide doesn't provide a product or a service that the people want or a business screws up or it, it does something bad, it takes money from somebody, it acts fraudulently, either... They go through the legal system, they go to jail, um, or they get fined, or uh, the consumers decide no longer to shop there, right? Businesses go out of business all the time because consumers decide that they're not giving them what they want. In the bureaucratic sector, it's the entire opposite. When an agency acts poorly, when an agency does something wrong, takes away our rights, makes a mistake, they not only don't get punished, but oftentimes they get promoted or they get more money because the agency will say, look, the reason that we screwed up is because we don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. You need to tax people more and give that money to us so we can do the job right. So in the business sector, you do wrong, you lose money, you go out of business. Uh, in the government sector, you do wrong, you make more money, and the taxpayers are, are the worst for it.
0: Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. will be right back right after a quick break.
1: We are talking with Christina Sandifer, the Executive Vice President of the Goldwater Institute. Christina is the co-author of a new book, "The Cornerstone of Liberty: Private Property Rights in 21st Century America." That's a must-read. And we are discussing private property rights. Uh, there's it is so important. Private property rights are the basis of our freedom, uh, and that's why we're. Spending this time talking about it, that's that philosophy is that if you have a problem and you throw more money at it, it's going to make the problem go away. That's how the government has been operating for the last hundred years. Every time something doesn't work, instead of saying, well, that didn't work out, maybe we ought to try a new method, they say, well, that didn't work. Uh, give me more money, and we will make it work we 'll hire more people we'll hire more this, hire more that, spend a whole bunch more money, and then maybe it'll work well the The people who are bearing that burden are you and me taxpayers whose taxes go up, and what do we see? We see waste, we see fraud, we see abuse, and you know we 're really powerless. And that's why one of the things that the Goldwater Institute does is something that really is very near and dear to my heart is that you have the capability of doing the legal work of taking up the 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 sword and fighting on our behalf. Those legal battles, because, as you said, legal battles are very, very expensive and you need to have some group who has the finances to fight for the property rights of all of us.
2: And, you know, we've been painting sort of a very dismal picture of of the state of property rights today. But I do want to I do want to end on a positive note, because our founding fathers, you know, perhaps never in their wildest imaginations would they have thought we had we would have gotten this far astray from their vision. But they did understand that while government is necessary in order to protect people's rights, You do have to police the policemen, and they understood that, and they created a system for us that had a number of checks and balances because power is the enemy of power. And one of the really important but oftentimes forgotten tools is federalism, right, is the power of the states. You mentioned that a little bit earlier, uh, and that is really where the Goldwater Institute is focused. So there's a lot of uh, groups out there that work in Washington, D.C. They work uh, with Congress or they work in the federal courts. And although Goldwater does that as well, we also work primarily within the state government. So state legislatures or, in this case, state courts, um, because we think that those are really important untapped resources in order to protect our rights. Our founding fathers set up a system where they didn't just give us the federal constitution, but they also gave us the constitutions of all the states. And they said, when the federal government fails to protect our rights... Uh, as it has in cases like Kilo and Murr, then the states not only can but ought to step in and protect our rights when the, government, when the federal government violates them. And that's why at the Goldwater Institute, when it comes to private property, although we are extremely dismayed when we see cases like Kilo and when we see cases like Murr, it's energizing as well because it makes it clear that now more than ever the states have to take it in their hands to shield citizens against government abuse And that's exactly what we've done here at the Goldwater Institute. We've designed a number of reforms. Uh, I think the most pertinent to this discussion uh, being the Property Ownership Fairness Act. These are state-level reforms that states can pass and enact and enforce in order to protect property rights since the federal government has failed to do so.
1: You know, you're absolutely right about that, and that really was the one positive that came out of the Kelo case is that a number of states have enacted legislation that prevents the abuse of eminent domain, uh, and, and promoting that concept is obviously extremely important. Uh, it's also important to recognize the fact that in each state there are different levels of government that can also be able to act for the benefit of citizens. For instance, the county commissions in many states are extremely powerful. And if you put together groups of county commissions together, you can uh, have a a bigger group to force even state legislatures, sometimes even the federal government, to watch out what it's doing so that the individual is not harmed. I'm glad you brought out the Property Ownership Fairness Act, because that's one of the initiatives of the Goldwater Institute that could benefit all of us.
2: Well, and you mentioned how after the Kelo case, a number of states took it upon themselves to protect people's property rights, and that's absolutely true. Almost every state has enacted post-Kelo laws that fix at least part of the eminent domain problem that was caused by Kelo, and that is these states have modified their laws or constitutions to say Public use actually means public use. So in other words, the government can't take away your home or your property and give it away to a private business or some private redevelopment project. But again, as, as we discussed with the Murr case, there's this whole other subset of abuses that are, that I think are even worse and they go under the radar. And that's these regulatory takings. That's when the government comes in and regulates away your right to use or sell or enjoy your property, and they don't pay you for it. And so the Property Ownership Fairness Act really targets that. It says that if the government takes away your property rights, it has to pay you regardless of whether or not it takes away your home or it regulates your rights away. It's it's very simple. And when we designed this law, we passed it in Arizona over a decade ago, shortly after Kelo came down, because we knew that it wasn't just eminent domain That was a problem or that was going to be a problem. We knew that it was also this regulatory takings issue that was going to be a problem. That law has been extremely successful in Arizona. We have quite a few success stories of where that statewide protection has stopped bureaucrats from regulating away people's property rights Sometimes it stops them from from regulating entirely because, again, we talked about a cost-benefit analysis that is not taken into consideration by government officials. The Property Ownership Fairness Act requires government to put some sort of value or price on property rights and to start to think about, well, gosh, if we regulate this right away, this is how much it's going to cost. And the government itself has to determine then whether it's worth it to pay to regulate.
1: You know, the interesting thing, of course, is, is that this kind of regulatory taking occurs at every single level of government, not just the federal government. It happens at the state level. It happens at the county level when a county passes zoning laws or property tax laws or building codes and things of that nature, whether they're state level or county level. So Every single level of government is guilty of regulating away the property rights of the individual. Thank God for you, Christina Sandifer, and the Goldwater Institute, and people like that who have the ability, the knowledge, and the, and the financial ability to help out by standing up for our private property rights. So, thank you very much. We've had an incredible discussion with Christina Sandifer, the Executive Vice President at the Goldwater Institute. Please go to their website, of course, and please uh, pick up a copy of Cornerstone of Liberty Private Property Rights in the 21st Century America. Christina Sandifer, thank you very much for being a guest on Freedom Forum Radio.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Muddy waters. And people I just love to hear that old man sing Wait. Yeah when I play the hoochie man I get joy in everything 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 gonna be all right this morning <laughs>